You're listening to This Week in Fantasy Baseball. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Fantasy Baseball. I'm John Kuh. This week, I'm joined by a special guest, Scott Chu, Senior Fantasy Analyst for PitcherList. Scott, how are you doing? Never better, John. Never better. I mean, I've been better because I'm like kind of sore and a little tired. And the shirt I bought, it's so soft and it just sticks to me, like shows every curve I never wanted anyone to see. Oh, boy. It just is like attached to there. But other than that, just absolutely great. Well, it's good to hear. Well, for those who aren't as familiar with your work, uh, could you just quick give a quick introduction of what you do for PitcherList or kind of even your baseball background? I've been doing fantasy baseball stuff for uh, maybe a little over a decade now. Um, I started at the now close dailybaseballdata.com writing DFS blurbs uh, for free. Uh, and then slowly moved up. I've, I've been with, um, you know, I was at Friends with Fantasy Benefits for a little while. And now I'm of course here at pitcher list. I've done, you know, I was doing the batter's box for a long time. I've done DFS stuff. And uh, now I am, you know, I was the manager for the going deep section until recently. And now I am our senior fantasy analyst, I suppose. So I, I do the hitter list, which is our ranking of the top 150 hitters. Plus I do the first pitch podcast a few mornings a week. I also have the hacks and jacks podcast, which was pretty cool. We got nominated for a fantasy sports writers association award for best baseball podcast last year, uh, I guess this year. And, um, I, yeah, that's it for now. I think that's all I'm doing <laughs> right now. Just all that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff that that's not, that's not too much work there. Uh, I, oh, I no, no. It's, all, it's all good. Right. Oh, and get, you know, jumping on pods when I can. Right. Exactly. And I do know you have another interest, which is near and dear to my Minnesotan heart. Uh, fantasy curling. Oh, I mean, once you said Minnesota, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Minnesota's right in the heart of the curling belt. Yes. It goes from one part of Minnesota to another part of Minnesota. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, you know, it's very, you know, very uh, curling rich place. I've actually been to Minnesota to curl over at the Four Seasons Curling Club, which oh, was wow. a lot of fun. Wow. That's yeah. Fun. For their lupus spiel. So, yeah, I mean, I, I accidentally invented fantasy curling. Uh, it's, <laughs> I've gotten way more fame for that than anything I've done with baseball. I'm just some dude for baseball, but I did invent fantasy curling. And I assure you, I am as bad at fantasy curling as I am real curling, <laughs> which is to say I'm terrible at both. I've been doing a little of both for a while now, but I'm terrible at both. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. We don't have anything obviously going on right now, right. but come, you know, come winter time, you go to curlingzone.com, which is sort of like the baseball reference or fan graphs of curling. If you can believe such a thing exists and we've got fantasy curling and it's fun because the curlers play, yeah. you know, uh, Alan Hodgson is someone who's really fun. He plays. Uh, we actually, I, I give a prize to the person who wins and actually one of the time or yeah, once or twice now, the person had to refuse the prize because they were in the tournament. No way. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were competing and they were worried they'd get in trouble. Oh, that's so. awesome. But I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you, though, if you could play a fantasy sport and pick yourself right. on your team? Yeah. Why would you not? Totally. I mean, you that's that's the utmost just confidence right there. Right? Yeah. There's, there's no more like there's no more greater fantasy feeling than just like it's already fun to win a fantasy league with your guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Like for me, like winning a league with Tarek Skubal on my roster is like that much better 
And then, like, I can only imagine what it'd be like if I was also on the roster. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm not good enough to be on a fantasy roster for anything. But, like, if I was, I would be drafting myself left and right. Right. Exactly. Maybe maybe someday they'll come up with uh, fantasy pitching journalism. We'll see. Or fantasy baseball journalism. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll be uh, I'll be a deep, deep sleeper in those drafting holds. <laughs> yes, exactly. when pick four hundred rolls around, you're going to be lucky. I'm still on the board. Right? Yeah, uh, you know, real deep leagues. Uh, uh, that's where the value there. is. Exactly. Right. That's that's where the the that's where you really win your leagues. Right there. I rank enough hitters to know where I belong. <laughs> that's good to know. Well, if you're wondering why we've got Scott here, actually, instead of Lee, it's because Lee's actually in Las Vegas partying it up at the United States Bowling Congress Open Championship Bowling Tournament. Um, so hopefully it's a it's a fun time for him. Uh, he will be back next week. Uh, but, yeah, uh, kind of exciting for... We definitely didn't spend 20 minutes no, trying to find not. him on that. Yeah. Because that would be ridiculous. Of course not. We're not that That's interested It's such a waste of time <laughs> for anyone to do that. Definitely didn't look him up several times on multiple bowling websites to find out if he's playing right now. Right. Exactly. Cause that would be, who would even ask such a question? No, right. It's not even that it's not, it's, it's bowling, right? Especially after we just spent five minutes talking about curling. So, um, <laughs> yeah, well, before we get into everything, just want to remind everyone that you can follow our podcast on Twitter at this week, PL. Uh, you can also send us questions, comments, uh, and concerns if you have them to this week, PL pod at gmail.com. Uh, definitely just want to get into the social media game a bit more. Um, and just as we get more followers, obviously, we can start putting out more content on Twitter. Uh, and also, if you uh, want to, please subscribe to our podcast or follow our podcast on whatever streaming pod- platform that you listen to. Uh, we're on every single one. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Um, so definitely, if you're able to uh, join up. So we've got a lot of injury news. I'm just going to run through these quick, but... Um, It's been a week. A a lot of stuff has happened. Um, Starting off, we have Josh Hader for the Brewers was placed on family medical emergency. Uh, His wife had some complications with her pregnancy, so there's no injury to Josh, but we hope that his baby and his wife are doing okay. Um, His teammate, Freddie Peralta, was placed on the 15-day IL on Monday with a right posterior shoulder strain. Brewers manager Craig Council said Monday that he's expecting a lengthy absence for Freddie Peralta. Definitely not good for fantasy managers that invested in him early. Really, we hope, Freddie, uh, that you come back soon. Um, And then for fantasy managers, Aaron Ashby, who we will talk about at length later in this podcast, uh, will most likely take his place in the rotation. So it's definitely worth picking him up off waivers. Willie Adamis of the Brewers also took batting batting practice and fielded grounders on Tuesday. Still has to work up from his high lift ankle sprain that took him out early in the season, but it's good news that he's doing baseball activities. Another Brewers teammate, Hunter Renfro, was placed on the 10-day IL on Tuesday with a right hamstring strain. Just really tough one for the Brewers as of late. It's rough. It is I will rough. say, you know, of all of these, I'd say that especially the first two with Hayter and Peralta, the team is well-equipped to fill those. I don't know if you, you know, we'll talk about Ashby more later. He had mm-hmm. a great start and with Josh Hader, Devin Williams is just probably the best closer handcuff in fantasy baseball. Yep. Because he's got back-to-back days with a save. He might have picked another one up today. I don't know. So that, it, tough for them, but it, it's good to see that they have some depth pieces there that are instantly fantasy relevant. Exactly. Yeah, and it's good to be the Brewers in, in that sense. Uh, Chris Bryant of the Rockies uh, was pr- 
probably going to return back to the injured list. I think he was actually placed on the injured list on Wednesday. Um, he was scratched due to his back flaring up again, which isn't great because he was already on the injured list for a month. Um, and he can't make it through a weekend of games. So keep an eye out on Brian's situation moving forward. Tyler McGill played long toss on Monday. He's recovering from right bicep tendonitis. He'll probably need at least one more rehab start in the minors before he rejoins the rotation. Uh, but there's no official timetable for his return yet. Chad Green was placed on the 15-day IL with a right elbow strain, and it was actually announced that he's going to go uh, Tommy John surgery, so he'll be gone for the rest of the season. And his uh, bullpen mate, Aroldis Chapman, was also placed on the 15-day IL with a left Achilles tendonitis. Uh, if you're looking for a replacement for Chapman, uh, Clay Holmes is looking to be the new closer for the Yankees, and uh, definitely pick him up if, if he's still available on your teams. Another Yankee who was in the news was Josh Donaldson, who was suspended for one game and fined by Major League Baseball for the inappropriate comments that he made towards Tim Anderson last weekend. Uh, he was also subsequently placed on COVID IL at the same time. Uh, Frankie Montas of the Athletics left his start on Saturday after being hit on his hand with a comebacker. He was able to throw a bullpen session on Monday, said he felt good, um, and is looking to go against the Rangers today. And then Luis Robert of the White Sox was placed on the COVID IL on Tuesday. Uh, but he should be back soon. Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals uh, is placed on the 15 day L last week uh, with a right shoulder impingement, and he's probably going to miss a couple weeks, uh, which is interesting. Scott, I don't know how you feel about Tyler O'Neill and his performance this season. Yeah, so this is almost a blessing in disguise in some ways. I never want someone to be hurt, but if someone could use some time to maybe get healthy, get right, think about their approach in the box and all that, Tyler O'Neill's definitely one of them. Also, uh, from a fantasy perspective, it's nice because before he had to be on your bench, now he can be on your IL, which means you can bring someone in to replace him and get that roster spot back. So there's some silver lining here. I'm obviously very concerned. You should always be concerned when a you know sort of out of nowhere player comes up so you know so fast and then all of a sudden looks so much worse than that. Mm -hmm. But I still want to reserve a little bit of judgment. I want to let him come back, see if he can, you know, because with the way we saw him play last year, a couple weeks can really turn this around. It's yep. something we just saw. I mean, when players show a level of talent that's just above and beyond what we normally expect, even for a major leaguer, I'll say someone like Trevor Story. How quickly did Trevor Story change his narrative? Right. Right. Completely. Two weeks. Uh, Tyler O'Neill has that kind of skill set. He even has more speed than Story. He's got just as much power. He could do that. I'm not saying he will. I'm saying I want to give him a little bit, you know, let him come back healthy, give him a little bit of time to see if he can do something like that. And then afterwards, probably start moving on. I think you could already move on in those standard Yahoo 10 and 12 teamers. We only need three outfielders. Mm -hmm. And then we're getting closer and closer to those five outfield 10 and 12 teamers. Yep. Yeah, I think I picked him up in like the fourth round of a couple of my drafts this year. So he definitely was high up there in terms of what people were hoping to get from him. Uh, but yeah, hopefully this IL stint, you know, maybe resets. O'Neal a little bit, and, and maybe he's able to get back to it. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers was placed on the 15th IL with a left rib cage sprain. He's going to miss a few weeks, but an MRI thankfully revealed no damage to his oblique, which is good news. Uh, Dylan Carlson of the Cardinals was placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to May 22nd with a grade 2 left hamstring strain. Um, he's estimated to miss about two weeks of time. Um, more Cardinal news, Stephen Matz was placed on the 15-day IL on Monday with left shoulder impingement. Uh, thankfully, again, no structural damage based on the MRI that he took. Um, and in his place, Matt Libertor uh, was recalled from AAA uh, to fill his spot. He had an okay start on Saturday. If you want to check out um, Ben Palmer's GIF breakdown on our website, feel free. Uh, it's got some good information there about Libertor's start. 
And then Yadier Molina was placed on the bereavement list on Tuesday as he had to travel back to Puerto Rico for a family emergency. Uh, hopefully everything is good with Molina's family and we see him in three to seven days. And then more Cardinals news. And these guys are just dropping like flies. Uh, Alex Reyes was placed on the 60-day IL and will undergo surgery to repair labrum damage in his right shoulder. He'll most likely miss the rest of 2022. Um, it's just a tough week for the Cardinals, um, and you hate to see it. Kyle Especially Lewis, with Alex Reyes, who just yeah. struggled with injuries his entire career. And every time it seems like he's coming back up, he goes right back down. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with Reyes out because Gallegos has had some struggles like very well-documented struggles this year with just kind of consistency. And then because of the Jordan Hicks experiment, um, it's kind of tough to say what the Cardinals want to do with their bullpen. Um, I know they tried to shore it up in the offseason with a couple trades, uh, but we'll we'll kind of see what the Cardinals do there. Uh, and then Kyle Luce of the Mariners was activated from the 10-day L on Tuesday. He's hitting seventh in the order, went two for three. Um, so glad to see him back. Um, and then the Mariners also signed Justin Upton, He's most likely going to spend some time in AAA, just kind of warming up again before joining the team, um, if he does join the team, though. Fernando Tatis Jr., the Padres, um, some news. He's been yet to be cleared to swing a bat, but he is doing some light fielding exercises, but is still a ways from rejoining the team. I think people are looking for a mid-June, late-June return for Tatis, um, which will be good for the Padres. And then Steven Strasburg of the Nationals uh, began a rehab assignment on Tuesday uh, with a single-A team. He'll probably need a few rehab starts to build up before rejoining the rotation, but it's good to see him throwing again. I think the Nationals said that he would probably need around three to four uh, rehab starts before he's you know finally stretched out to join the team. Uh, and then John Carlos Stanton went on IL on Wednesday with ankle inflammation, but the Yankees are hopeful he'll be ready to go once he's uh, eligible to come off the list, so they're not too worried. Joe Kelly of the White Sox got pulled in the eighth inning um, on Wednesday after striking out two batters with left hamstring tightness. No official moves have been made yet, but it wouldn't be surprising to see Kelly go back on the IL. Uh, Ramon Laureano of the Athletics is currently day-to-day after dealing with some soreness in his right hand after trying to grip a bat and swing. Uh, The A's are just going to play it safe. They're leaving him out of the lineup, and he's planning to get a CT scan to see what exactly is going on. And then Ronald Acuna Jr. is also currently day-to-day after experiencing some tightness in his right quad. Uh, Obviously, he's been amazing in his 17 games back. Atlanta's probably just being cautious with their star outfielder. Jazz Chisholm of the Marlins hasn't played all week due to left hamstring tightness. The Marlins have yet to place him on IL, which hopefully points to return soon for Chisholm. Uh, Wilson Contreras of the Cubs uh, will be available. Actually, I think he played today, Thursday. Um, he's He was dealing some with some hamstring issues, but he should be healthy now. And then Joe Ryan of the Twins got placed on the COVID IL before his start on Thursday. Hopefully she'd only miss one start, and the Twins called up Devin Smeltzer um, as a result of that. And then Jorge Polanco um, also missed a few games this week with right ankle soreness, but uh, hopefully not anything too serious. Expect him to return soon. Out of all of those, I think the one I'd call out is Kyle Lewis, former Rookie of the Year, because Lewis Robert really kind of fell apart at the end. Mm -hmm. Something I want to call out about him, really exciting in terms of power and speed, but he's not running. So in his entire stay in AAA, he only DH'd. I would be stunned if he steals a base for quite some time. So you're really only getting the bat side. Mm-hmm. Showed a lot of improvements in AAA. But keep in mind that like the we were really probably mostly interested in him for power and speed. Right. Not sure he does enough to you know, just carry you with a bat unless you're in a pretty deep league. So something to keep in mind, you know, this isn't the same Kyle Lewis simply because he's not running yet. Mm-hmm. He, he can't. 
Yeah. I, he's an interesting guy because I, I know there was a lot of hype of, uh, around him after the Rookie of the Year season. I mean, deservedly so. And it, it's been tough to – he, I don't think he's really matched up to that expectation since. But, yeah, like you said, it, the, the power-speed combo that we're hoping to see from him just isn't there right now. Uh, but, it, you know, maybe if you have the roster space, you know, stash him and wait for that speed to come back. Well, moving on to recap articles, uh, just as a reminder to everyone, we pull most of our hitter and pitcher highlights from the daily articles over on the Pitcher List website, uh, specifically the Batters Box and SP Roundup articles. And those are fantastic resources to read each day to see how players perform. Uh, but getting right into it, uh, Scott, how are some hitter performances that we saw over the weekend? And if you also want to check these out, just to plug myself a little bit, we've also got the First Pitch Podcast, which comes out every day. It's somewhere between 15 minutes and 20 minutes. And we also cover a lot of this stuff. So it's another way to just get like that daily digest. But, you know, I definitely remember uh, some of these from last weekend and this week. Josh Rojas, he went three for five last Friday with three home runs and four RBI. I mean, Wrigley Field was a homer fest that day. There was a ton of home runs, three of which, of course, came from Rojas. He's multi-position eligible. I know I just added him to the next 25 on the hitter list, so he didn't make my 150, but he's in my top 175. And a lot of that is just because how well he's done lately. Mm -hmm. In May, he's had a pretty decent walk rate and OBP and even slug. He slashed in 283, 382, 478. Rojas finished last year with only 11 home runs and nine stolen bases. He probably is going to be something like that this season. But even a player like that, because of his contact ability, can be interesting, especially in short spurts. So simply worth an ad if you've got an open spot or if you've been dealing with a lot of injuries and you want someone who can cover a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. Randy Rhodes Arena for the Rays. He's another power speed combo guy. He's been able to do both this year. In this case, he went two for three last Saturday with two home runs, three RBI, and a walk. Rhodes Arena has kind of been frustrating for fantasy managers this year with the performance. Drafted, you know, really early on, top 20 outfielder. He's kind of been up and down, though, uh, especially in April. It was definitely down. In May, he's been better, uh, especially when it comes to hitting for power and for average, hitting 315 with a 932 OPS. Uh, against the Orioles last Saturday, he had those two home runs uh, so that they won 6-1, to one, and hopefully that's going to spark him. He can be a streaky guy. Lord knows we have saw what he could do in playoff situations yeah. in a very short time, so he could really turn that batting line around quick. And then Tommy Edmond last Sunday for the Cardinals, he went three for six with two doubles, three runs scored, two RBI, and a stolen base. And I mean, there were a lot of great performances that day. Edmond really stuck out. I mean, that if you remember that Cardinals game, there were just a ton of runs scored. Edmund scored a lot of them. What I like is that he's batting leadoff on a full-time basis. Mm-hmm. He's definitely got the stolen bases. He's got 32 runs scored. The 32 runs scored, uh, which was at that time, is something that I'm not sure he can keep up forever because he just needs the Cardinals offense to be a lot better uh, than I think it will be long-term. There's only so long that guys like Brandon Donovan and Juan Yepes can really drive an offense. Right. But he is at the top of that offense. He can still get a lot of runs scored. He's definitely stealing a lot of bases. The Cardinals are sending him as much as they can. So I do think he can be a very, very nice ad. And was someone that I was skeptical on early because I didn't trust the bat. And it turns out I don't really have to. As long as he can hit for contact and steal some bases, the rest of his team will drive him in and he'll score a bunch of runs and, and be more than good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Edmonds, I think someone is just, he's a lot of fun. And I, I love that he's batting leadoff now. Um, he was bad. He was just stuck in the back of the order for a good chunk of, of the beginning of the season. But it's good to see that yeah. the Cardinals have him well, and Danny, off now. He's definitely going to gain some shortstop eligibility since they kind of did away with Paul DeYoung. So yep. uh, that just increases his fantasy utility. So mm-hmm. a lot of good things happening for Tommy Edmond right now. Yeah. 
Well, moving on to pitchers, uh, Martin Perez went nine innings, zero on runs, uh, eight hits, one walk, and five Ks. Uh, look, we're just about as shocked as you. Congratulations if you had Martin Perez pitch as a complete game shutout on your MLB bingo card for this season. Um, he was dealing with the changeup, locating the majority of the tight circle in the arm side bottom corner, and got eight whiffs. Um, and then he also started today against the Rangers, and he's sorry, he started today against the A's, uh, looking all right. Um, he's going six innings so far with five strikeouts, so g- good for Perez. Uh, Justin Steele uh, for the Cubs on Saturday went five innings, no one runs, with one hit, two walks, nine Ks. Uh, I said in our streamer segment last week, um, this he gets to face the Diamondbacks. Do I really trust it to work it out? No, odds are he won't strike out 10 batters. Well, Justin Steele went out and struck out nine instead. Uh, everything worked out for Steele as he struggled to get strikes with his slider. Um, he still managed seven whiffs on it, though. Got 13 called strikes on his fastball, which led to those nine Ks. Plus, it helps that the D-backs are bad. Unfortunately, against the Reds tonight, he just got shelled. Um, it is, yeah, Justin Steele did not look good tonight. So that's kind of why you're iffy on him if he's going to be good or bad. Uh, and then Luis Severino for the Yankees on Sunday went seven shutout innings with eight hits, no walks, five Ks. Uh, there was a lot of great performances uh, on Sunday at Yankee Stadium for Michael Kopech, Johnny Cueto, Tim Anderson. Uh, but Severino quietly turned in seven shutout innings for the Yankees, had an effective slider and four-seamer, which helped cover for his ineffective changeup. He's been maddeningly inconsistent this year, uh, but has had a few good starts sandwiched around a string of bad performances. So here's to hoping that he's finally figured out something on Sunday. Yeah, with Monday and the hitter performances, it was kind of fun. We saw Cabrian Hayes really kind of go off. He went three for three on Monday with two, with a double, a run scored, an RBI, a walk, and a stolen base. Really kind of did it all. Showed off why he deserved that big $70 million extension. He hadn't hit home run by this point. I'm not sure he has yet. But he was hitting 298 with a 377 OBP. It's really just the power that's missing. He's got his five stolen bases. And really, we're just kind of hoping that as the season wears on, he can hit the ball a little bit harder and add to some of those power numbers. It's not easy in PNC Park, but he's shown he can do it before, and hopefully he still can. Brendan Donovan for the Cardinals. I mean, they just kept scoring runs all week, especially early on. And he's part of this youth revolution kind of going on. These guys that you've never heard of, which is just classic Cardinals. Uh, mojo, whatever it is they've got. They bring up guys out of nowhere. They do well, like Brendan Donovan, who went two for three with a double, a run scored, an RBI, and a walk. He's been pretty productive. It's been a small sample. It's, you know, he's in that next 25. Actually, I think he's at the bottom of the top 150 for me as well. And he's kind of this guy where, yeah, we don't know much about him, but he's hitting it really well. And the Cardinals are putting him in good positions, hitting near the middle of the lineup. So you might as well run with it if you're, you know, looking for a streamer at the position. And look, just because we don't talk about streaming hitters as much as we do pitchers, you can totally do it. There's nothing wrong with streaming any position as long as you're smart about it. So, you know, that was about it, but I'm sure, you know, We'll we'll see more from Brendan Donovan and can make a decision. But in the meantime, you kind of don't have to. As long as he's hitting hot, you can plug him in uh, as like that last player on your roster. And, and it'll probably work out OK for a while before you really have to think about it too hard. Yeah. And that the walk rate's kind of impressive to me. I mean, yes, small sample size, but he's 17.6 percent, which is kind of nuts. Uh, and then pit, moving, looking at pitchers, we got Tristan McKenzie for the Guardians. Went seven innings with an earned run, three hits, a walk, and three Ks. Uh, probably the most notable thing from this start was the increased velocity from McKenzie. His fastball was a full tick higher. It didn't necessarily lead to great results. He only got a 90% CSW on the pitch. But if he can deal like this against the Astros, it's not hard to imagine that he'll do well against Detroit on Saturday. Uh, 
And then Zach Wheeler of the Phillies went 6.2 innings with two in runs, eight hits, no walks, and 10 Ks. Over the month of May, Wheeler has rewarded the patience of many fantasy managers who didn't try to jump ship during his rocky April. He sat 96 on the heater, was dealing, he got 20 whiffs, and a 39% CSW on the night. You love to see it from Zach Wheeler. Yeah, then on Tuesday... You know, something that was pretty crazy. Jock Peterson went four for six, three home runs and eight RBI, which is pretty wild. I mean, just all six balls in play that he had were hard hit balls. Two of the home runs were over 400 feet. The Mets just could not get him out. You know, with Jock, I mean, you have to accept the fact that he doesn't play against lefties. And even when he does, you probably don't want him to. Mm -hmm. But when he's against righties, he's as good as pretty much anybody out there you know a real sure bet as a classic platoon hitter he's always going to be on the big side of that and so again this is the guy who can be your last outfielder just be ready for the streakiness i'll tell you that he also hit a home run on the 25th i haven't quite looked at the box score yet i wouldn't be shocked if he hit another one because that's kind of how he goes he runs hot and cold and right now he's hot yep uh, also glaber torres of the yankees he went two for five last tuesday with two home runs three runs scored uh, and, and really, there was some concern that he was going to just be out of this lineup, that he was going to get Miguel Andujard right out of there. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he hasn't. He's really kind of stuck around. He, you know, he hasn't really stolen the bases like he did last year, but the power's there, the contact's there. He kind of look. he doesn't look like the, the Torres that hit 35 home runs, but he looks like the one that we saw before that, which was like mid-20 home runs guy. Mm-hmm. You know, some steals, some good batting average. So that that's a useful piece. It's just not the one from that one year where he hit a bazillion home runs against the Orioles. Right. Yeah, exactly. You kind of wish you could play in Candom every day if you could. Uh, and then moving on to pitchers, Sonny Gray of the Twins went seven shutout innings with four hits, one walk, and 10 Ks. Uh, it's back to a tricks of old, dominating with his breakers and his start against the Tigers. The curveball had a 50% CSW, and his slider helped too with three whiffs on 11 pitches. The fastballs were also located pretty good along the edges. So good to see from Sonny Gray, who's just been kind of disappointing this season. Uh, had a stint on the IL, uh, but it's nice to see him back and dealing for the Twins. Uh, and then Zach Gallon of the Diamondbacks went 5.1 innings with six and runs seven hits two walks and four strikeouts not going to claim that we cursed gallon last week as he was the focus of our podcast interview uh but it hasn't been pretty uh gallon struggled with his changeup and his slider as we talked about last week gallon has two main approaches one where he uses the four seamer changeup and curveball together and then another one where he uses the cutter and slider to play off each other uh when one of these doesn't work like the cutter slider combo on tuesday uh, it's it's not great. He didn't get he didn't get a single strike actually from any of the cutters or the sliders that he threw. But you know when one of those isn't working, he at least has another approach. But this time when both aren't working, right? He his changeup wasn't working. It just doesn't lead to really good starts. So it's tough to see from Gallon. Um, obviously he's definitely a young pitcher on the rise, and we like to see that. Uh, but more consistency out of him would be nice. Yeah, with the hitters on Wednesday, and, and I'm not going to lie, it's a little bit of deja vu here. You also probably heard me talk about a lot of these guys on the first pitch podcast. But Evan Longoria went two for four with two home runs. And it is kind of a weird, like, what year is this sort of thing? Evan Longoria, obviously, uh, in the twilight of his career, hadn't done much with his bat yet, but he finally did. And honestly, the biggest thing with Longoria is he's just going to get, while he's healthy, which is, you know, a big if, mm-hmm. but when he's in the lineup, they're probably going to bat him, you know, fourth or fifth. He's going to, especially against lefties, he's going to hit a bunch and he's going to get those plate appearances for a good team. So he is worth an occasional DFS start, maybe a stream, especially in a deeper league, because he's a guy who hits in the middle of a lineup who hits okay, right? It's sort of, it's just a thing where he's got a good situation and you might as well take advantage of it. 
And then there's Joey Votto for the Reds, who's starting to you know show some signs of life. He went two for three with a triple and a home run on Wednesday with three RBI and a walk. And really, you know, he's just, it's a slight resurgence since coming back from the IL. He was six for 19 with five extra base hits, including this triple. Worth noting that with this triple, he is just two triples away from his all time high in triples in a single season, which is three. So once he gets two more, he'll be there. He'll have tied that career high. So uh, definitely something to look for there. And even if he can't get that, it does look like the bat's heating up. So at least there's that. I'm not sure if he's the Joey Votto of old, but he's a version of Joey Votto that's more exciting than the one we saw earlier this year. Yeah, I will be completely honest. I kind of forgot that Evan Longoria was still in the majors. Yeah, I actually didn't realize he'd been out for a whole month. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of incredible that he's kind of back and he had two home runs, which is awesome for him. It's like nothing happened, but it's also because I wasn't looking for it. Right, one of those. That's kind of how Evan Longoria is. Yeah, you know, and that's okay. There's a lot of value in that in certain formats, just like not the ones that we usually talk about here on Pitcher List. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then looking at pitchers, Aaron Ashby, who we talked about uh, replacing Freddie Peralta, went 5.2 innings with no one runs, four hits, three walks, and five Ks. Uh, looks to have finally a guaranteed spot in the Brewers rotation. I know we've been kind of asking for that the entire season. He got a start here, got a start there. Just never felt like he actually had a spot, though. Um, but he finished the night against the Padres with a 34-cent CSW, doing most of the damage with his slider and his curveball. I was going to put him as the streamer for Monday, but as a result of the start, his roster ship has gone up over our arbitrary 20% requirement. Um, he's probably still going to be available in your league, though, so definitely pick him up if you have the space. And then Christian Javier of the Astros went 5.2 innings with zero runs, three hits, one walk, and nine Ks. Uh, Nick actually did a breakdown of Javier's outing on YouTube, so go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, the basic takeaway, though, for Javier is that his four-seamer got a 21% whiff rate and was well-commanded, which is obviously great for his fastball. He's probably a little bit frustrating if you roster him in a quality start league because he hasn't gone to six innings uh, for most of his starts this year. Uh, but he's showing why the Astros were in love with his stuff. Uh, we just really hope that they let him go six. Yeah, and I actually, I'm a big fan of Christian Javier. I love the the stuff, especially the fastball. I mean, he gets so many strikes on that fastball, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't have crazy velocity. So it's got a nice floor for him, something to just keep an eye on. And I, I'm really excited about him. Uh, as far as hitters for Thursday, which is today, the day we're recording, Kyle Farmer for the Reds went four for four with two home runs. Uh, a run scored five RBI. And when a team puts up 20 runs like the Reds did against the Cubs, it's hard to ignore the folks that really kind of drove a lot of that, including Kyle Farmer. You know, he's not really a well-known prospect. He's not someone that had a ton of power. He's just been someone that's been filling in for the Reds, it feels like. But he's got above average hard contact rates. Uh, he hasn't been whiffing as much this year as he did last year. So, you know, other than a whiff on a 45-mile-an-hour pitch from Andrelton Simmons... You feel like, you know, there's something there's something not too bad going on with Kyle Farmer. And then JT Realmuto of the Phillies, he went one for three with two runs scored, an RBI, and, of course, a home run. Slow going for him this year so far, just three home runs, 12 RBI, 23 runs scored. Hard contact isn't, you know, isn't where it probably ought to be. He did hit this home run off Kyle Wright, who hasn't been as sharp lately, but... You know, he has still been a good pitcher this year and you wish that he was doing better. But something we're kind of seeing is a condensing of talent at the top four catchers where more and more guys are kind of making the top two or three tiers of catcher just closer together than we are probably used to from the last few years. Yeah. And I I know you mentioned this in in the hitter list uh, today, but 
Salvi is kind of an example where because he's been not, you know, his his self from 2021, um, he's also kind of coming down in value because of that condensing in, in catcher value where kind of you have, yeah, like what you said, more of those tier one, tier two catchers that you're more willing to invest in than just say like a ton of money into Salvi, for example, or JT Riomuto. No, a wasteland, but there's a few more oases than <laughs> yeah. we're used to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then for pitching performances, Aaron Nola went 8.1 innings with five hits, one run, um, and 10 strikeouts. Uh, live every day like it's Nola day, right? Uh, looked like his old self. Uh, had this gem uh, against Atlanta with 10 whiffs on his curveball, 14 calls, strikes on his sinker. He's had some pretty uneven starts this season, but it's nice to see him dealing on a day like this. And then Patrick Corbin of the Nationals went 6.1 innings, 7 hits, 3 runs, 2 walks, and 3 strikeouts. I personally want to get excited every time Patrick Corbin does something kind of good, like getting a quality start here. Uh, but he only got 2 whiffs on his slider, so it's really hard to get excited. Uh, Corbin basically took advantage of the Rockies on the road, and it worked out. I really don't trust this to stick next time around for, for Corbin. Well, now we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Scott about Hitter List, uh, so stay tuned for that. All right, now we're back, and we're going to be still talking to Scott about Hitter List. And Scott, just kind of a quick introduction. What is Hitter List for people who basically subscribe to Pitcher List for pitching information? All the stuff that Nick won't touch with a 10-foot pole. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's the top 150 hitters. It's structured similarly to the list, you know, the one that our, our site is named after, where I, you know, I start out with some common notes, like I, I rank based on largely the standard Yahoo format, which unfortunately is like the most hitter restrictive because it's only got the three outfielders, two utility, no middle infield, no corner infield. But still something that I, you know, I try to go by to keep the consistency with the pitcher list. And it's just a ranking of of hitters. Uh, the only real difference between the pitcher list and the hitter list, apart from its hitters versus pitchers and the number, is that I do rank injured hitters. So Eloy Jimenez, for example, and Fernando Tatis are on that list. I try to put them where I think that they'd be, you know, like where I try to value them right now. Uh, my list can be pretty volatile because, for example, News about Eloy Jimenez uh, almost, you know, almost being ready to start a rehab assignment, which is something we recently found out, launched him way up the hitter list. Because once you get that news, you sort of think of it as in like in terms of trade value or in something like that. You're going to be you're going to be looking to be like, oh, hey, this is exciting. Now I have an idea of when he might come back because he may come back in June. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. So the hitter list is just a way to try to capture all that. I wouldn't necessarily call it like a draft list or a trade list. It tries to blend the two. And honestly, the way I think about it is just I'm looking at the list and I'm like, hey, you know, what tier do I place guys in? That's probably the hardest part. I really think about tiers to place guys in uh, and what tiers are appropriate. And then from there, I just start moving guys around. So essentially, that's it. It's a ranking of the top right now, the top 150 hitters. Plus, I've added a little list of 25 at the bottom that are in a mildly particular order of just the guys who could be up there next. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of already explained it a little bit, um, but when you have this list of like 150 hitters or, you know, in this week's case, 175, um, you know, how do you kind of decide those tiers? You know, where do you decide those those um, those differences um, among the tiers and then even within the tiers? So the first thing I'll say is these lists, anytime you build them, they really build off each other as the year goes on. Mm hmm. 
And the most important thing is how you start. It's that first projection, especially throughout the month of April. You shouldn't be making a ton of huge drastic changes. Like, sure, you'll have some. Say a Suzuki, you know, flew onto the scene and so did Taylor Ward. They came out of nowhere. I was willing to move them up. But Mm -hmm. really what you're doing is you're trying to blend current performance using tools that try to judge current performance like you know not so much espn player rater but you know you could or the Razzle player rater auction calculators whatever you want to find uh you, you know i even look at points league rankings just to see because they value certain types of hitters that you know other kinds of rating systems have a hard time capturing in terms of value mm-hmm. so you look at all those uh you look at current projections you look at your preseason projections you look at all those things and then you just try to say like oh and then of course the potential of the player the true talent you believe is there and try to you know try to pin that tail on the donkey and figure out where you think that roughly puts a player uh there's just a ton of variables it makes a lot of sense why nick doesn't uh doesn't rank pitchers that are out just because at least you get some time to figure out when their next start is with hitters. You don't get so much. It's just, they also start tomorrow and the day after. So uh, it's a challenge, but really what you're doing is you're looking at those things and you're moving them up and then you get to add your own little personal flavor. If there's hitters you like, you push them up. You just gotta be ready to push them down Mm -hmm. Uh, to start the year. Akil Badu was my number 100 hitter because I loved Akil Badu. I love the adjustments he made last season and I still love Akil Badu, Mm -hmm. but he's certainly not a top 100 hitter right now. Yeah. Right. Not, not a chance. He's he's <laughs> in the minors. And he's probably not a top 100 hitter there right now because he right. struggled. But um, there was something I was willing to do and I could justify it. I do leave notes just like Nick does trying to justify a lot, you know, mm-hmm. where I put a guy or why someone fell. Uh, but ultimately, it is a lot of it. You know, a lot more than you'd think is more art than science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm to me, I'm just even trying to wrap my head around what my process would look like, and I do not envy your job. It's, you a, know, it's a lot. It's, the first time is probably the scariest. Uh-huh. And then from there, at least you had a base, but man, like it, a lot of it is, is trusting the projections that you're comfortable with. And mm-hmm. it's not just one, right? I'm looking at projections all over the place. I don't do my own, but that's only because I've met the people that are really smart that make projections and I know I'm dumber than them. So <laughs> sure. yeah, instead of trying to like do something better at, you know, try instead of trying to manage projections better than Ariel Cohen, mm-hmm. uh, which would be, you know, obscene and stupid. I, I have no chance. Uh, I'd rather, you know, use those different projections. You know, I sort of, I, I sort of think about them the way I think about them. Some are more conservative. Uh, sometimes I just want to see like, why does one projection system like other players or like a certain player way more than the others? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Those kinds of things can influence me. Right. Uh, I, I try to look at all that. And then of course I try to think about league strategy. So this list is based on like a head to head strategy. So one thing that does get pushed down is stolen bases, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because, there are, you know, in a roto league, stolen bases, you can't totally ignore them. But in a head-to-head league, in many cases, you can. Mm-hmm. Stolen bases are so fluky that even if you have the best team for stolen bases, you might still lose it some weeks, right? And even if you have a team that's very average in stolen bases, you could still win a lot of matchups just by luck and a little bit of streaming, yep. right? To grab that extra one or two steals. So uh, there's a couple things like that I do. Like, I, I don't value steals super highly, until so I start getting later on in the ranks where I want guys to have standout tools that are useful, mm-hmm. but you know, otherwise, you know, it is, it's a lot, it's a lot of art. Yeah. It's a lot of, 
you know, how do I feel about this guy? Can you turn it around? And, you know, the other thing that's really, really tough is I can't know how every single player has done for the last week. Yeah. I just know that's the hardest part is someone will be like, you didn't move this guy down, but he's had a terrible week. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I just didn't realize he had a terrible week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can't, I can't look up the game logs of all 175 players. I do a ton of it. Mm-hmm. I probably looked at over the last two days, a hundred game logs, but that's still 75. I didn't look at. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like we do this podcast every single week and we try to cover the entire week, but at the end of the day, you know, we cover at most 25 player performances. And half of those are pitchers, right? So it's kind of uh, – we, we thank you a lot for what you do here. Um, I, do the best I can. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about a couple hitters who have taken some dips, um, you know, from the beginning of the season. Uh, we're about 25% of the way through. So I think we can start maybe starting to make some uh, – not conclusions, but maybe some th- have some more concrete thoughts about who these hitters are and, and what their contribution to our fantasy teams could be. Um the ones I wanted to focus on are, are the ones who are slumping, obviously. And and so got three or four names for you um, and kind of just asking, you know, what do you see the outlook for these following guys? And do you think they can turn it around? So starting out, um, Nick Castellanos, uh, what's going on with, with, with him? I wish I could tell you, right? Because a lot of things look fine. Mm-hmm. It's not as though he's, you know, putting a bunch more balls in the ground or he's popping out in the infield a lot more. Uh, He's just not putting the same juice on the ball as usual. It's his heart, you know, his hard hit rates are are down right now uh, after they had been up for two years and which is what had me so excited. Uh, I'm not willing to say that it's like, oh, it's because he was in Cincinnati because there's nothing about great American ballpark that makes you hit harder. It just makes balls that aren't hit as hard, uh, you know, become home runs. Mm -hmm. And I actually am quite encouraged by the, you know, well-improved plate discipline from, uh, well, you know, not this year, but over the last two seasons that he's done that and he hasn't totally lost all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with him. I think he could still, you know, the one thing about him that we have to remember is he still only has the one 30 home run season and it was last year. Right. That was the first time he ever did that. And if you, once you accept that and you look at like the rest of the numbers, his batting average is down a little. And if you look at the rolling charts, which I love more than anything, Mm -hmm. uh, they do show that this slump is probably about as bad as anything he's had in the last several years, Mm -hmm. but he is on the upswing. Hopefully he can continue that way. And if he ends the season with 25 home runs and maybe a two, you know, instead of the two, 80 to 300 batting average we wanted, maybe something more like 270 to 275. Mm-hmm. Like you can still salvage a lot of value here. Right. It's just, it's a bummer that he's off to the slow start because even if he gets some hot streaks, it's going to be really tough to get to 30 home runs with only five so far. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, it's tough. I, I have Cassianos in a OBP slugging league. So I've, I've been able to weather it a little bit better because he has been walking. Um, but yeah, that's it. His slugging has been down a bit because yeah, it's like you mentioned only five home runs this season. Uh, another guy to look at who actually was taken out of his game today, um, with some complications from an injury he had, um, earlier is Mac Muncy, uh, who had a partially torn UCL last season. And a lot of, there was a lot of questions on, you know, is he coming back? Uh, he ended up, you know, opening on the opening day, uh, roster for the Dodgers, um, is this just kind of, is once he just, is he dealing with an injury or do you think there's something more there that, 
uh, we're not that we're maybe seeing through the advanced metrics about why he's been struggling this season. I think on the surface, it is really easy to come to that injury conclusion because when you look around, everything is the same except how hard he's hitting it. Mm-hmm. Yep. However, I I refuse to believe that if if he really was dealing with like if if it was just the injury, which I know right now it kind of looks like he's going to hit the IL. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, everything I read was just something about his arm, which is vague and mysterious and terrifying. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you if if you are hurt, it can't just show up in how hard you hit the ball. Right. Because it's not like he's swinging and missing more or he's cheating or that he's uh, like, you know, pulling it. You know, ex- he's not doing any of that stuff extra. Mm-hmm. He's doing everything like normal, except for how hard he's hitting it. Right. Which is bizarre. But hopefully maybe a little bit of time on the IL, he can kind of fix that, come back. I don't care about the batting average. I just hope he can get to like 25-ish home runs for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, And luckily for us, he's, you know, he's still getting on base and showing like actually the best walk rate that we've seen from him in quite some time. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a split of OBP and slugging be 327, 263. That's the widest split I've ever seen. It's insane to me. But I mean, that's where we are. And Again, sort of like I talked about earlier in the podcast with uh, Tyler O'Neill, almost a little bit of a blessing here that he can go on the IL and just get right mm-hmm. without, you know, without taking up that roster spot. Yeah, yeah. It, it, speaking of his walk rate, it's actually the best in the league right now, too. So, uh, I mean, you'd like to see that yeah, from Muncie. Like forgot what a strike was, and what wasn't. Right? He just yeah. he can't hit the ball as hard as he wants. Right? Yeah. He's technically whiffing less. He's just his fly bar percentage has gone up a little bit, but when your heart, his hard contact rates just dropped, and his barrel rate has dropped, and um, yeah, and, the, yeah. and the whole barrel rate thing is really just because he's not hitting at ninety five miles an hour, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's yeah, it's it's really weird that it's just showing up in how hard he hits the ball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so another guy to look at, Marcus Semyon, who, I mean. He had a career year last year. I don't think anyone was expecting him to match his year in Toronto, but he's been doing a lot worse than I think people were expecting. Um, what's your outlook for Semyon? Man, it's ugly. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I mean, he's got the, a 44 weighted runs created plus almost feels like it overstates yeah. how well he's doing. Uh, his, like, his OPS is like a fun batting average. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's bad. Uh, it's a really, really rough place to be like his. Yeah. His OPS is what his slugging ought to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually probably still a little low cause it's not 500. Right. Yeah. Like it's, his well, OPS it's, is not 500. Yeah. It's 489. Like just, so it's just, it's yeah, right it's, under there. Yeah. Just let that sink in for a second. Right now the plate discipline isn't broken which is usually the first thing I look to because when the plate discipline is totally broken, mm-hmm. you know you've got a pretty deep problem. Yeah. <clears throat> now, he's not walking like he has the last several years. It's down a little bit. The best explanation I've heard, I'm not saying it's a great one. I'm saying it's the best one I've heard because we're all fairly befuddled, mm-hmm. is that he's pressing. That he's got this new big contract and yeah. on this new team. He's trying to be the best guy he can be, and he's pressing. That's why he is making more contact. He really wants to make contact. But, you know, he's not making good contact mm-hmm. because he's pressing. He's he's attacking balls that he probably can't do a lot with. Um, you know, I, you can't – I'm not saying you c- 
can or that you should cut him. I'm just saying there's a lot of scenarios where I think you could, mm-hmm. especially if you don't need a middle infield or corner infield. Yeah. Uh, like that standard Yahoo League, because there are 12 shortstops or second basemen that you could argue are better than Semyon uh, for now mm-hmm. in the short term. In fact, I even wonder how long he'd sit out there. I think, you know, if you're in one of those leagues that only has two day waivers, I wouldn't be stunned if he cleared them. If no one added him in those two days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just something to think about if you're willing to let your opponents pick him up and maybe reap the rewards of him turning it around. Right. But until then, the guy has like, it, you know, he's weirdly been like the the Eric Molds of fantasy baseball where he keeps <laughs> doing this like every other year stuff. Yeah. Just driving me bonkers. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean. I hope someone the gets that Eric Mould reference from God knows how long ago in fantasy football. But if you were playing fantasy football a decade ago, Eric Moulds was literally like every other year for five years. Sure. Was he a wide receiver? Yeah, he was yeah. a wide receiver for the Bills. Yeah, that's right. I was like, I know that name, but I don't know why I know that name. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he went, what, 45 homers? I mean, shortened season, but shortened season, only seven homers. That's still not very good. And then 33 homers, and then 15 homers before that. So, yeah, it's uh, Semyon's just up and down, up and down. Um, one more name. I didn't put this in the show notes, but I think it's interesting just to talk about because we mentioned this earlier. How real is the Trevor Story breakout? The Trevor Story breakout is an example of what a player with a ton of power and speed and talent can do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, normally it doesn't work out this way, but there's a reason we tell people to hold. Right. And there's a reason like all like early on this season, all, you know, I, I was doing the hitter list and people are asking me, you know, when can I, you know, when can I move on from so-and-so what's wrong with so-and-so? And mm-hmm. it's like, for example, Kyle Schwarber, I get asked, what's wrong with Kyle Schwarber? I'm like nothing. This is just what Kyle Schwarber is. Yeah. He's a guy who's streaky. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to hit 10 home runs in two weeks. And we're going to wonder if he has, you know, broken baseball. Right. Right. Or Javi Baez. Like you guys, you have to, you have to accept Javi Baez is just like this. He alternates between looking like the worst hitter in the league to looking like an extreme spark plug. And how could anyone not love him? Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's just, that's just what he is. He's a volatile player because of his extreme aggression, because of the way he plays the game. And that's true of like a lot of these guys. Now with Semyon, I'm not sure it's going to work that way, but like how weird would it be if Max Muncy came back and hit, you know, 10 home runs in his next 20 games. Will he? Probably not. But like, if it happened, we'd all be like, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. That sounds right. Totally saw it coming. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, well, you know, this is why I'd be doing another conversation like this, except I'd be more smug about it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, this, this kind of thing does happen. It's also why we're quicker to give up on guys who haven't shown this kind of talent before, because the likelihood of this kind of thing happening is low. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot higher when your name is Trevor Story. And right. shown us that you can be like a 30-20 player. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm willing to believe they could do it. Yeah. But I am a lot less I'm a lot less confident that a guy like Owen Miller will pick up what he had earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Because he hadn't really done it before and he didn't do it for very long. No. So why should I expect it to come back? Whereas with Trevor Story, we've seen him do this kind of thing before. Yeah. I think and, be- and I you know, he he's got a great, you know, a great batted ball profile for Fenway. Mm-hmm. He should be just roping doubles off that wall. Right. Yeah, it, it's just, if you told me, like, you know, quarter through the season, Trevor Story's got eight homers and five steals. I'd be like, that's great. Right? That's that's what you want. Like, that's on track for, a, yeah, like a 30-20 season, like you, like you described. Like, that's 
that's great. And then, you know, obviously you look at the granular data. It wasn't so pretty for, for fantasy managers, but um, it does, it does point out this weird difference between head to head categories and Roto, Yeah, which is Trevor story has been much more valuable for Roto mm-hmm. because in stats and Roto are sort of backward looking. You can make up what you didn't have in prior weeks, right? But head to head is only forward looking. You can't catch up, yep. right? All you can do is try to win the remaining matchups, but you can't like you can't make up for a slow start the same way. Those mm-hmm. losses are always on your record. Whereas if you're that much better than everyone else in May, it's all evened out. And yes, this sort of happens in head to head, but with Roto, it's just that much more obvious, especially with single players. Right. Like you don't really care how they get to the final numbers in Roto. Whereas in head to head, it does matter more because Trevor's story was an absolute sandbag for what eight, like for what, like five matchups. <laughs> right. Yep. And yet he helped you win one. Exactly. But he can't make up. Like he can't make up for the last five. Yes. Not yet. Right. Whereas in Roto, like he actually has pretty much made up for it. Right. Yeah. I, I had him in a, in a head to head matchup actually this past week. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, thanks for the six, seven homers, but, uh, you know, where was this Three more than I needed? Right. Exactly. Like, where was this the rest of the earlier season? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of I tough. remember losing a, a head to head matchup once on stolen bases because they they stole like 12 bases to my two. Oh, yeah. And all I could do is laugh at them. Like, I hope you steal 10 more. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What? There's <laughs> no point. one win for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about the uh, desert that is catchers. Uh, but there was kind of a nice call up this past week with Adley Rutschman of the Orioles coming up uh, and then promptly hitting a triple in in uh, his first game uh, in the desert, you know, the desert of catchers. Uh, where do you see Adley kind of ending up uh, rest of season? You know, I think immediately he's just north of that streaming line. Whenever you think about catching, there's like a couple top tiers and then there's this streaming line mm-hmm. where we get to it. It's like there's guys that are out there that maybe aren't better than your catcher, but might be better than your catcher this week. Mm-hmm. Right. So you really start burning and churning like guys in that tier are like the the Christian Vasquez's of the world. Right. Where you're like, all right, you got some good matchups this week. How about you come in or Elias Diaz? You're at home for a week. Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Welcome. Welcome aboard. You're my catcher this week. Adley Rutschman is better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you yeah, obviously, it's a great ad, but it is something where you'll have to wait because there will be times where it won't be better than that. I do think ultimately he can be. I think that early comp I'd make for now uh, and may, it might just be a little lazy because they have similar profiles. But Tyler Stevenson, mm. even though he's something right now, the yeah. kind of projections we had for Tyler Stevenson are something I can see for Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, very much wor- he should be added in all leagues. It just might not be by you, because if you've already got a JTL Rio Mudo, despite the slump you can't roster two catchers in yep. a single catcher. league. Mm-hmm. So if you've been streaming catcher, this is a way, if you've been looking for an upgrade and would rather focus your attention on another position, this is a way to do that. Mm-hmm. I think he's interesting. Cause like what you mentioned, he's kind of in that range where like I have, I have him on a team with him and, and Kybert Ruiz and I'm Kybert Ruiz to me has just been kind of mad this season. And so I'm like, well, you know, maybe worth starting Adley over him for if the matchup is good, because they're going to give me about the same thing. Yeah. Like in the end, it'll all be a wash. Yeah. Right. But it is kind of hard to go back and forth. It's not unlike quarterback in fantasy football. Not mm-hmm. that I'm a huge fantasy football guy, but there it gets to this point where it's like, they're all the same mm-hmm. only in the NFL. Like it's everybody's good. 
and in MLB, all the catchers in terms of offensive production are bad. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's, but it's the same concept Yep. <laughs> or sort of like this, like all the running backs ranked like between like 30 and 50. They're mm-hmm. all the same. Right. Like every once in a while, one of them breaks out, but otherwise they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it, you know, week to week, you'll re-rank them as you know as you will. But yep. and you know, rest of season, it's all the same. So when you pose it as, how do you feel about Adley Rushman rest of season? I think that there's potential to be a top four or five catcher, uh, and the more realistic outcome is somewhere between like six and eight, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Yeah, I mean that's a great season for a rookie, especially because he came up late. I, I think they can still be that, you know, especially rest of season, but. This isn't like a drop everything and go get it. Uh, that's more for like two catcher leagues. So he's going to be real. You know, he's a huge topic for anyone doing NFBC, huge topic for like TGFBI, all that stuff. But for like the regular 10 and 12 teamers with one catcher, he's like cool and interesting. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. You kind of mentioned starting out the hitter list is, you know, kind of mainly for your daily 12 team head to head Yahoo leagues. Um, and then we had a question from Little Piranha on the Pitcherless Discord. Uh, shout out to Pitcherless Plus. How should someone in a non-Yahoo league use hitter list? You know, basically, if you have that five outfielder, corner infield, middle infield uh, roster, um, how should they be using hitter list? Um, is there any difference? First of all, Little Piranha, you could just ask me, bud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I like chatting. I like chatting with Little Piranha. Uh, they, I know they reach out a lot in like the hitter channel and stuff. But I think the way you use it there is – so what I have to do with the three outfield league is once I get to a certain place in outfield, I have to push a lot of those names down mm-hmm. because they just – they can't stand out. So essentially what you'll do is you'll treat it like any other scarce position where you'll lift outfielders that are a little lower up, right? Especially the ones that are boring. Mm -hmm. So really the deeper leagues get, the more exciting, boring guides get because the volume becomes that much more important. Mm -hmm. You need someone who's playing every day. You need someone who's accumulating stats. Whereas in the Yahoo style, you don't need to worry about the accumulation because you'll find the at-bats. You're really looking for the best quality of at bat possible mm-hmm. because you're not fighting over volume. You'll all get the starts you need. It's just how good will yours be versus everyone else's? Whereas everyone else is like, honestly, in those deeper leagues, you are sometimes fighting. Like, I hope this guy plays five games this week. Right. Yep. Right. So, so that's one big difference. Uh, it's also a big deal with corner and middle infield. Take the the guys I push down at shortstop, especially you can pick back up. Shortstop is so top heavy that it makes it hard for later shortstops. Like a, like a guy I really like Jeremy Pena, who I'm ready to move up more, but in a 12, you know, a 10 or a 12 team league with only one shortstop, mm-hmm. it's hard to justify Jeremy Pena as your utility. He, you can now cause he's been hot, but at some yeah. point, you know, he's got to change what I think he is entirely before I really like him as a utility in those leagues. Whereas in a league where you have a middle infielder, like the perfect mm-hmm. plug him right in. Right. Can't, you can never be too deep in the infield in an ESPN style league. Whereas in a Yahoo style league, you're almost always too deep in the infield. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's really where the balance is. It's you basically just like you, you value guys that play more up and you play almost more weirdly with the deeper league. You play more conservatively. Whereas with a shallower league, I'm going to take bigger risks and bigger shots because the replacement level is so high. Right. Yeah. You're more willing to just kind of, I mean, you know, for example, I, one guy I was really liking a lot early this season was um, Miles Straw, for example. 
um, who was like, oh, I'll get him for some steals, and then realized quickly he was not contributing in the way that I wanted to, dropped him. Turns out the the Cleveland Guardians can't score 10 runs a game like they did earlier. <laughs> yeah. Right? Weird that it all dries up for Stephen Kwan, Owen Miller, and Miles Straw. I know. Who are hitting in the top of that lineup. Right. Weird. Yeah. There's still talent in all three of these guys, but it, it's a great point. Miles Straw in deeper leagues, much more valuable. Hits at the top of the lineup, can provide average. Mm-hmm. You don't need him to be a super loud standout guy. You need all those at-bats and all that batting average and those stolen bases. Whereas in that three outfield format, I'm like... I I don't I got stolen bases. I can right. get them elsewhere, mm-hmm. yep. right? Because there's tons of hitters out there, and I can stream for them. I don't need a lockdown stolen base guy like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't need Miles Straw. Yeah, I I think I have ended up pivoting towards some more fun guys like Josh Naylor and Hunter Renfro. With I mean, still not great, but people who are, I'm like I I think I could rely on you a little bit better throughout the season to give me what I Josh want. Naylor. Yeah, a hot Josh Naylor, a hot Hunter Renfro are always going to be more impactful for your team than uh, like a, a hot contact hitter. Mm-hmm, right. right. Like there, there's as much as I like a Stephen Kwan, there's just a hard cap on how much fantasy value you can provide because he's still only a one or two category contributor without mm-hmm. a lot of help from his teams. Right. Uh, yep. And his team's offense isn't that good. So yeah. <laughs> it, it was really good for a while. And you saw what like. You saw what a good lineup can do, right? Right. When you got a good line, like everyone's scoring runs, mm-hmm. everyone, every hit is driving in three guys, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's not so much a thing about deep league versus shallow league, but in the shallow league, you can take that chance because if it doesn't work out, you'll cut him, and there'll be someone else coming up. Right. The deeper leagues, even a twelve teamer with that ESPN standard, the waiver wire looks totally different. Oh yeah that's the thing that can be really hard to impress on folks who don't play in like those multiple multiple league formats. Mm-hmm. It is a really big shift going from like an NFBC or an ESPN or a CBS style league to that standard Yahoo. Right. Cause you're like, how are all these guys on the wire? Yep. Oh yeah. Cause I only start like nine hitters. Right. Yeah. I think like I, I'm in like a five outfielder league on, on fan tracks. And I think like the best I could do this week was like Eli white, for example. Meanwhile, like Max Kepler is just hanging out on my Yahoo leagues because, you know, no one needs to pick him up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this would be a great this would have been and still is a great week to pick him up because he had like 12 games in a row. Uh, he had 11 games in 10 days at the start of the week mm-hmm. and they were all against Royals and Tigers. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's a pretty good streaming situation. I don't know if I'm a, I, I don't want to say I'm an expert on the situation, but. If you if you told me a batter was going to get to face only the Royals and Tigers pitching like their rotation and bullpen, mm-hmm. I'd be like, you might consider adding that player. Right. Yeah. Sign me up immediately. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Scott, for uh, answering some questions on hitter list. Um, obviously, look forward to more iterations of the list as the season goes on. Definitely check that out, guys, if you haven't been already. Uh, well, we're going to move on to streamers for the weekend. Uh, so starting on Saturday, Tucker Davidson uh, from Atlanta. He's currently 2% rostered in Yahoo. He goes against the Marlins. Miami as a team has a collective 81 WRC plus against lefties, as well as a league-high 30.8% uh, strikeout rate. David Davidson has had two very different starts this season. He's given up five earned runs to the Nationals' bad offense, but he also tossed five shutout innings against the Brewers. Um, he's had some strikeout potential in the minors with 30% uh, strikeout rates in his last two years in AAA. Granted, this is only in about three, uh, 50 innings of work, so still a small sample size. 
Davidson likely will be in line for a win with this matchup and also might get some strikeouts for you. So it might be worth a stream there. And then Johnny Cueto, the White Sox, uh, on Sunday going against the Cubs. He's currently 70% rostering Yahoo. The likelihood that Lightning strikes three times for Cueto is pretty rare, but he has a pretty cushy matchup going against the Cubs. He shut down the Yankees, and the White Sox are definitely more than willing to let him go as long as he can pitch. Um, so he definitely has a chance to continue his shutout inning streak, uh, along with a winner quality start here. Um, he has somehow managed to get 12 strikeouts on a total of only 15 whiffs and an incredible 33.3% called strike rate on his sinker. Um, some other people that you might want to look at, uh, Dane Dunning is going to go against the A's. He didn't have a great start this week, but it's the A's, so probably worth a pickup. And then Kyle Freeland's against the Nationals. Those are two options, assuming that your league mates got caught up in the Cueto hype and didn't drop him after his Yankee start. And then on Monday, uh, Glenn Otto, the Rangers, goes against the Rays. He's currently 2% rostered on Yahoo. Definitely some recency bias here because he was able to quiet Angels bats in Wednesday's game and got seven strikeouts in five innings. Um, he only did that, though, with getting one whiff on the slider, so tread ca cautiously. Again, we really don't recommend streaming pitchers on Mondays because why start out your week like that if you're in a head-to-head -head league? Uh, but if you need a guy, Glenn Otto might be someone to look at. You haven't picked up Aaron Ashby yet. He's got two starts next week uh, against the Cubs and Padres. So if he's still out there, you should go get him. Yeah, I think last time I checked, he was about 30% rostered, which is why I didn't yeah, include him probably in the over, like, Yeah, I have a look at those. I also, you know, just would throw out there that on Sunday, Ronzi Contreras is out there. And then the following week, he'll get the Diamondbacks. I was looking at that in some deeper leagues. Mm, yeah. He had a nice little uh, debut coming back. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I just really want to say more than anything that not like choosing not to stream is often a really good idea. Yeah. And that's so, don't force yourself to stream. That's not the point. Yep. I you, you, what you want to do is be select, you know, you want to try to be a little aggressive now so that you're not forcing yourself for every single streamer in September when <clears throat> that can be really hard to do. But in the meantime, like right now, don't just stream a guy because you need to have somebody, right? Like go ahead and pass. Like yep. I'd probably pass on Glenn Otto against the Rays unless I felt like I had some extra points to burn or it's like a points league where it's really hard to have a negative start. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is probably the best. That's probably the best recommendation. Yeah, but that just, it's the best one doesn't mean that's a good one. Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, today I was trying to maybe think about going for a Justin Steele start, and obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. He got rocked by the Reds, but it's like I didn't need to on a Thursday when I have you know five out of my ten maximum starts in for the week. I didn't need to stream, and so I chose not to. Uh, obviously, you know, it worked out for me. Um, but yeah, sometimes not streaming is the best option. Yeah, it, it's the conservative play, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, don't I just I feel like too many people forget about that play about just the not right, just the don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good play sometimes, folks. Just don't. Yeah, you're. It, it doesn't. You know, you don't have to always rack up. You don't. Sometimes it's good just to not go and hope you're hope the person you're going against decides to stream and. It goes poorly for them. I mean, not that we're wishing poorly on any pitching performances, but yeah, sometimes it, it ends up hurting more than helping. Exactly. Right. You're, you're trying to win your league, but you don't need to win it by a bazillion points. Yep. You need to win it by one. Yep, exactly. Right? Everything else is actually, I mean, I, so part of my background, I'm an attorney and I had to take the Michigan bar exam and to pass the Michigan bar exam, you have to score 135 points. I scored 140, I think. And my first thought was that means I could have had like two or three of those nights back <laughs> of my life. Yeah. 
not taking practice tests. Yep. Right? Uh, like, you don't need to win by a bazillion. Just win by enough. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it that way, you're not just trying to get every possible point. You're trying to get enough points and not killing yourself by getting greedy and trying to get every single start. Yep. Well, Scott, I want to thank you for coming on as a guest host. Uh, thanks for coming in clutch while Lee is away bowling. Any Anything coming up for you that you want to share with the pod? Um, feel free to kind of shout out uh, how can we reach you on Twitter or, you know, what's coming up for you on Pitcher List, things like that. Oh, yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter at if the chew fits, if the CHU fits. Uh, obviously, I'll have, um, you know, even earlier today, I did the first pitch podcast uh, that comes out every single day. I do that twice a week. The header list comes out every Wednesday, sometimes Thursday morning because I'm a slacker. I mean, because so many important things come up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of both, a little bit of both. But uh, also... I've got the Hacks and Jacks podcast, which is really a hitter-focused podcast. It's sort of the uh, the sister podcast to um, uh, On the Corner with Nick and Fast. We kind of do the hitter version, so so that's kind of you know that that's a lot of fun to check out. Uh, Joe and I have a lot of fun with that. But otherwise, that's mostly what I'm doing. The hitter list is the only article I'm writing, uh, and that comes out in the middle of the week. So feel free to come check it out. Tell tell me how badly I did, or tell me why I should have ranked someone. It's actually really helpful because I. I cannot keep track of all 250 or 300 potentially relevant players. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me why I forgot someone and then maybe I won't forget them. Yeah, there we go. And then you can also find us at this week PL on Twitter, or you can send us our comments and questions at this week PL pod at gmail.com. You can find me at the John K on Twitter. That's T H E J O H N K E. Uh, And then Lee as well at regicidal R E G I C I D A L. Please subscribe to the Pitcherless Podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you can find us, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoy the show. Lastly, sign up for Pitcherless Plus. By doing so, you can join us in the Pitcherless Discord. You can bother me. You can bother Scott. Uh, you can also bother Lee if you want, and get advice from all the fantasy experts and writers over there. So that's all for this week. We'll be back next week recapping another week in fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball.